In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Traditionally, in the Holy Church, there are three main postures of prayer. Standing, kneeling, and prostrating. It may come as a surprise to some, but sitting is not one of those main postures. And sitting with your legs crossed and a coffee in your hand, as we see in many Protestant churches, is definitely not one of those main postures. In fact, historically, churches did not have pews or chairs because the primary posture of prayer in the church is to stand. Using our body in worship has always been important in the life of the church. Even in today's Gospel, we see that the Canaanite woman falls down and kneels before Christ, begging Him to heal her daughter. This morning, I'd like to speak specifically about prostrations, what they are, why we do them, and why they're an important and necessary part of the life of any pious Orthodox Christian. Oftentimes, we as Orthodox associate prostrations only with Great Lent, when in fact, they should be a part of our daily rule of prayer. There are some people who say that spirituality has nothing to do with the body. So not only do they dismiss the practice of prostrating, but they dismiss many other ascetical practices like fasting and vigils, for instance. The reality is that when God made us, He made us body and soul. And when Christ comes again to judge us, He will judge us body and soul. St. Paul says in his second epistle to the Corinthians that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for the things done in and with and through the body, whether good or bad. So rather than looking at spirituality as having nothing to do with the body, we must understand that we cannot separate our spirituality from our body. In other words, what we do with our body affects our soul. That's why in his first epistle to the Corinthians, St. Paul commands us to glorify God not only in our spirit, but in our body as well. And that's one of the reasons why in Orthodox worship we use all of our bodily senses, sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch, in order to sanctify the whole body. One of the major themes in his epistles, St. Paul speaks about the importance of crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. He says in his epistle to the Romans, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Before the fall of man, there was a balance between the soul and the body. But after the fall, the body took control and subjected the human person to sin, and paradise was lost. The purpose of the physical, ascetical practices of the church, like fasting and prostrations and vigils, is to restore the balance between the body and the soul by bringing the desires of the flesh under the control of the soul. And prostrations are nothing new in the life of the church. A simple survey of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation will demonstrate that. In the book of Genesis, the patriarch Abraham prostrated himself to the ground before God. The brothers of Joseph, after finding him well in Egypt and at the head of Pharaoh's household, prostrated themselves before him. The people of Israel prostrated themselves constantly before the Ark of the Covenant. These are just a few examples from the Old Testament. 
And the Gospels are also filled with numerous examples of people falling down before Christ. Even in the book of Revelation, we see the angels and the elders falling down before God and worshiping. And it's interesting that even Satan himself knows the importance of prostrating and its meaning. In his final temptation of Christ in the wilderness, Satan takes Christ up a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So what does it mean to prostrate? The term we use to describe a full prostration in the Orthodox Church is a great metania. Metania comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means repentance. So a prostration is a sign of repentance, a sign of submission and humility. By falling on your knees and touching your head to the ground, you lower yourself and exalt someone else. St. Theoliptos, writing in the 14th century, says this, Do not neglect prostration. It provides an image of man's fall into sin and expresses the confession of our sinfulness. Getting up, on the other hand, signifies repentance and the promise to lead a life of virtue. Let each prostration be accompanied by a noetic invocation of Christ, so that by falling before the Lord in soul and body, you may gain the grace of the God of souls and bodies. In other words, what we do with our body matters and is a manifestation of an inner spiritual disposition. When we prostrate before God, it is an act of humility. We confess our sinfulness and acknowledge God's magnificence. We are reminded of our fallen state and our need for God's mercy and grace. We put off the old man which is corrupt through the lusts of the flesh and we put on the new man. With each prostration we say the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me. And when we rise we commit ourselves to Christ by living a life of regular repentance. And let me add something. The prostration itself is not what produces repentance in a Christian. We can't limit our faith only to the external. Just like coming to church cannot be limited to an external action in which we come to church but live a lifestyle contrary to the gospel. Or else going to church itself becomes just a ritual. The Lord calls us to worship in spirit and truth. The Holy Fathers tell us that the ascetical practices we undertake, whether it be prostrating or fasting, are not an end in themselves but a means to an end. The purpose of these ascetical practices is to subdue the desires of the flesh so that we might seek the one thing that is needful, Jesus Christ. We are broken down so that our hearts are softened, allowing God to raise us up and to mold us and to shape us and to renew us after His own image. As I mentioned earlier, prostrations are not only something we do in church during Lent, but should be a part of our daily rule of prayer. It may be that you've never done a prostration before. It may be that you think you're too old to do a prostration. But we have countless examples of elderly ascetics and elderly lay people doing hundreds of prostrations a day, not one or two. And the reason they're able to do all these prostrations is because it is a part of their daily rule of prayer. Now, I'm not saying that you should go home and do hundreds of prostrations. But you should speak to me and ask for a rule where you can begin. 
if there's a reason you physically can't do a prostration, there's kneeling and there's other things that can be given to you to do. And you're never too young to start prostrations. Parents, you should gather your children every morning, no matter what age they are, and do three prostrations with them before your icon corner. As they learn to walk, they can learn to prostrate as well. They will imitate you. It's a beautiful and inspiring thing to see. And we must cultivate in our children the Orthodox lifestyle and the Orthodox ethos. My beloved family, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, by His own example, teaches us how to prostrate in humility. Christ's descent from His heavenly throne to the earth to take on our lowly fallen human nature is the single greatest prostration. His descent was a nose dive from heaven. No one bowed as low as Christ did in order to redeem, save, and deify our human nature. The least that we can do before this extreme humility of our Lord and before His great love for mankind is fall down and worship Him. So if you do not prostrate at home in your daily prayers, you should begin to do it every morning before you start your day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.